0: Good morning. It's a good day. I just want to say if in in that song that my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, like if that's you, I hope that you found that today, that you just went there in that moment and um, just gave him access to everything. What a beautiful song. Amen. Everybody happy? Happy, 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 happy. Ah, the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Yes, yes. Amen. Well, we're moving into uh, new seasons in life, new seasons in the church, new seasons as a nation, and uh, we're we want to. We started off we were, our videos again. We're doing our online videos, and we have a four-part series coming up I wanted to announce. I know it was on the slides there, but you may not have seen it or you may have missed it, but it's, it's called The Religion of Politics, and it's a four-part series. We're launching it on Inauguration Day on Wednesday the 20th, and um, I want to say that um, we are citizens of heaven first. We are governed by the laws of heaven first from that place, we live, right? Amen. And then we honor the leaders and people that are put in position over us in our nation, regardless of whether we agree, disagree, voted for them, didn't vote for them, whether they're righteous or whether they're evil in our eyes. Amen. It does not matter. I, I shouldn't pray more for the president I voted for than the one I didn't vote for. Amen. Amen. Actually, I should pray that God gives me a great love for the one I didn't vote for. Uh, And I wish we would have done that four years ago because there was so much hate for the last president. I don't want there to be hate on the other side for the new president. It's not okay. It doesn't matter who the president is. God will have his way. For us to get all crazy over who's in office reveals a world that has found a residence in our heart that isn't the kingdom. And so that's a four part series. They're short videos. They're, you know, five to seven minute videos on taking us through the religion of politics. And I want to say first that we congratulate our new president and our vice president, Joseph Biden and Kamala Harris. We want to pray that God blesses them really do. So we're going to do that right now. Would you pray with me? God, I ask that you give us great love and compassion for our leadership. I pray that you would help us to pray for them and cheer them on and root for them to steward well, to lead well, to have wisdom, that our nation would be safe and prosper. And we just ask this in your name because you're the king. You raise up and you put down kings. (laughs) If (laughs) you are God (laughs) and the political system was not your idea, (laughs) So bless them, and we honor them, and we will watch our mouths if we disagree. Uh, Amen. Amen. Is that good? Is that good? And pray that our nation comes back to Jesus. That's what matters. If we're going to pray for anything, that should be our first prayer. Jesus, bring revival to our nation, a third great awakening in our country. In Jesus' name. So that's what the religion of politics is about. I know tomorrow is MLK Day, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. You know, just my, my middle son, Matthias, was born on MLK Day, and I thought, what an awesome day for him to be born. And so you saw that, maybe you saw that, uh, you know, uh, darkness cannot drive out Darkness. Hatred cannot drive out hatred. Only love can do that. Um, there's so many great things that he said, but uh, I just wanted to honor that. And, and I pray that his dream is revived instead of pushed aside. And so, yeah, that's enough on politics and government and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the last few weeks we've been talking about, first we talked about having courage. See, every, every time I say it, the Lord's doing something to me about courage. And what it means to have courage. And when I know I'm doing God's will, when I'm in his will, and I'm acting in a way that brings honor and pleases him, there's nothing I should fear. Come on. Amen. Fear should only come if I've stepped outside of his will. There should be no fear if I'm doing what he called me to do. Amen. So take courage. We talked about having courage. And then last week, we spent some time talking about having focus and not being distracted And pulled all over the place by the political spirit or the religious spirit or a secular spirit that's pulled our affections in every direction. And uh, today I want to just kind of finish some of those thoughts up. And the Bible says, awake, awake, O sleeper. Would you say that with me? Awake, awake, O sleeper. And it says, awake from your slumber. Be raised from the dead and let Christ shine upon you. Would you say, and let Christ shine upon you? Awake, awake, O sleeper. Awake from your slumber, that Christ may shine upon you. And we know from Isaiah 60, the Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. And it talks about what happens when the, when the light of God's glory begins to shine. It attracts people to the light. It attracts people to the freedom. And so today I want to talk just for a short time and finish up the thoughts of courage and focus. And I want to say God wants us to be awake, but not woke. I know that's you might have heard that somewhere before. I had these notes for four months in my phone that God wants us to be awake, but not woke. Now, if you're not hip with the cool stuff, right, the word woke is a big deal right now. I don't know if you know that. Just, just put hashtag woke on something and, and you'll, you'll know what you're supposed to be woke about. Woke means a, awake to the new way of doing things. It means awake to the cultural norms. Awake to the shifting trends in culture and what's okay, the norms. God does not want us to be woke. He wants us to be awake. What are we being awakened to? The ancient truths of God. There are no new truths. There are no new truths. The truth is eternal. It is ancient. It does not shift. It does not change. It does not care what culture says or doesn't say. The truth is the truth. It doesn't bow to opinions. It doesn't bow to pressure. It doesn't care if you like it or not. The truth is the truth. And Jesus said this of himself. I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me, and so there's this thing that has crept into culture, and because the church has lost its saltiness, we taste like the world. We have grown in our affection for the world when we are told not to. The Bible warned us and says, don't love the world. You can, you can be in the world, but you are not of the world. You are from a different, you're an alien. You are supposed to be weird. You're supposed to be hated by the norm culture, the woke culture. And God wants us to step up and realize there's no such thing as progressive Christianity. Have me have heard that term at all, progressive Christianity, Progressive Christianity has a list of things that are okay now that never were okay in the church before. I'm not going to list any of those things. You can, you can just, yeah, I want people that are watching live to, to, you know, let's just, you research and look, there are a lot of things now that are being brought into the church because the culture's this way, then it's okay in the church now and we've made it okay and it's not Okay. And I'm not talking about, you know, fringe things where, you know, if, you, if you're a vegetarian or you're not a vegetarian, that's, that's between you and God, right? Like there are things like that, whether you drink soda or you only drink water, that's between you and God. Those aren't tenets of our faith. But they have come in and begin to say the definition of family is different and the definition of marriage is different. And those things aren't instituted by man. Who do we think we are that we can change the laws that have governed man forever that God established? And say, well, we've progressed beyond God. Science has moved beyond where God is. God could not possibly understand the science or the emotions of the culture of today. So we've progressed beyond. And there is a whole movement. It's a dangerous movement. It's a dangerous movement. It's, it's crept in because of the love of money. Because if we preach the, the ancient, old-fashioned truths, then... Typically, people don't like to hear that. And so because we want more people in the room, more people listening to the podcast, more people buying our books, we begin to water down the truth of the gospel because we think we're being inclusive, but Jesus didn't ask us to preach a gospel that was inclusive. It is for everyone but we don't change the stakes of the gospel to include everyone. Everyone that wants to be in the kingdom can be in the kingdom. It is for literally every single one on the planet. There is room for you in the kingdom. As I've said before, in this strange future we're going into, there are people that have done things and shifted their bodies and changed genders and done things that someday are gonna give their heart to Jesus, and we have to teach them. There's still room for you in the kingdom. We're gonna have to figure that out, right? But we don't change the boundaries of the kingdom. The Bible says if you want to come into the kingdom, you have to die. You have to be crushed. You don't get to say, well, it's a little too hard to live that gospel, so we're just going to move the the goalposts a little bit so it's easier to get in. It's supposed to be difficult to get into the kingdom, it's supposed to kill the flesh. And we have watered down the gospel so much as, as a whole, everywhere, we have allowed this to creep into the church, and we've made it not really mean a whole lot to be a believer. The people say, yeah, I'm a believer, but what does that even mean anymore? Yeah. You know, there's a podcast that I was listening to a while back, I won't say the names, I won't get into any of that, but, but someone asked them, they, they said, do, are you a Christian? Do, do you believe, you know, do you believe in God, or are you a follower of Christ? And they said, that's a really loaded question. He goes, because if I say I'm a Christian, then you immediately in your head figure out what that looks like. And he says, so here's my answer to that. I live as if there is a God and his laws are final. And to me, that's what a believer is. I live as if there is a God that I will stand before him one day, give an account for my life, and that whatever he says goes. So that's what we need to look like. Amen. You know, there's some scriptures I want to read. If you want to open your Bibles, uh, we'll be in Colossians and we'll also be in first Timothy. This is such a big, big, big topic. I have to just pare it down for today, but um, it, we got to get back to the roots. So Colossians two verse eight. Colossians 2 verse 8, and I have this, this specific verse I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. The rest, I think, are from the New King James, but he says, Beware, Colossians 2 8, beware that no one distracts you whoo, or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're actually full of, filled with endless arguments of human logic. Thank you. They're not just filled with arguments, but they're of human logic. For they operate with a humanistic and clouded judgment based on their mindsets of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, if you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, He's sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on his things, on these things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ with God. Come on, someone say amen to that. I live, but I'm hidden in Christ with God. All right, a couple more scriptures. First Timothy chapter two, and we're going to read three through eight. Sorry, second Timothy, second Timothy chapter two, verses three through eight. It says, "You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ." No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Did you hear that? Yeah. No one engaged in warfare, and he's talking about spiritual warfare, engages himself or entangles himself in the cares and the affairs or cares of this life, that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So you understand we are in a system that has rules and we can only get a crown from God if we compete according to his rules. The hardworking farmer must first, must be the first to partake of the crops Consider what I have said, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to the gospel. All right, I'm going to read one more. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Everyone say preach the word. word. So who's a preacher? All of us, we are preachers. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Are y'all ready for this? You've heard this one before, right? For the time will come when people, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will be turned aside to fables and myths. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. What does it say? Preach the word and do the work of what? So who's an evangelist? All of us. us. We're to preach the word and be an evangelist. This is the world we live in. And and we need to probably pare down... Um, what we allow to influence us. We need to get back, I know Shigun was talking about it, of having that discipline of following Christ and and building up our own salvation. Working it out, the Bible says, with fear and with trembling. Not expecting our mother, our father, a church, or a, a religious person that we really respect to speak wisdom and guide our hearts, but to actually get in the prayer closet and allow God to guide our hearts. Because the Bible says that that in the last days, there'll be many deceiving spirits that will be sown into the earth. And here's the danger about the progressive Christianity or the woke Christianity. It sounds compassionate. When I say progressive Christianity, this, this is the easiest one for me to jump into without having to get into a huge topic. But progressive Christianity says, it's okay to have abortion. It's okay. It's no big deal. Just, you know, you made a mistake, we would we'll just start up, we'll just reset the game. It's okay. And I'm sorry, it's not okay. Like, that, that's an easy one for me to point out because it's life and death, right? But, but it sounds compassionate because what happens if you have a, a 15 or 16-year-old girl? And here's this, the thing about all of this. Where's the young man? Yeah. Like, when you think about the whole abortion issue, what do you think of? Like the process, this poor young girl, often young girl, is making this decision and the young boy is nowhere to be found. And the accountability and the responsibility falls on her shoulders. And I understand the compassion for this situation, but it doesn't change God's standard for what's okay and what's not okay. And so the church comes in and says, well, we want to be compassionate. So we change the rules because we're more compassionate than God is. Because shame on God for for making that young girl raise that child in, in poverty or whatever the issue. It doesn't matter. And we act like we're more compassionate and more merciful than God by changing the rules. And that's not at all the truth. The truth is What shows God's mercy and compassion is how he takes a horrible crisis like that and makes it beautiful. That's compassionate. That's real compassion to take something that's a mess. That's just ashes and turn it into beauty. Now we think we're more compassionate by changing the rules, but we can't turn ashes into beauty the way God can. But man, how many have seen an ashes to beauty story in your life? Is it not beautiful? Is it not more beautiful than the compassion we have as men? It's so much more beautiful. you like, the, the process is so much more beautiful. It's messy. I know it's messy. Compassion and mercy is messy. But we can't take the mess out of life. And God didn't want us to change the rules so that it's less messy. Like, we're supposed to deal with our our decisions. We're supposed to. It's good for us. It's really good for us to deal with the powerful consequences of our decisions. Because if I don't have to deal with the consequences of my decisions, I don't realize how powerful I am when I make decisions. Think about that for a moment. If I am powerful enough to make a mess that has powerful negative consequences and I don't feel that, I don't learn how powerful that choice was. Just like if I make a really good decision, I should reap the reward of that decision because God says he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we take the mess and we take the struggle out of life, we're taking the opportunity for God to show his great mercy and his great compassion and take something that on paper looks like it should not equal beauty and him convert it wonderfully into something beautiful. And to me, that's real compassion. I know it's messy. I know it's more difficult. I know it's hard to, to wade through these things, but that's why we need a savior. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us in wisdom and truth. And I'm afraid for, as a whole, the church has moved, moved and moved and moved and moved away from the ancient truths of the gospel to the point to where it really doesn't matter if you say you're a believer. It doesn't mean anything. We don't stand for anything. You okay? This is the world we live in. So how many of you went and found Christ? Like, I, like, let's think about it for a second. How many of us are so good at investigation that we discovered Jesus? <laughs> we, are, we are the best. <laughs> we are the Marco Polo of investigators and researchers, and we found Jesus. We were Ponce de Leon and we found the fountain of youth, right? He found us. (laughs) He came to us and introduced us to reality. We didn't bring our reality and introduce it to him, we entered into his realm. And his realm is how life is supposed to operate. It's all of the Proverbs, the wisdom of, of Proverbs says that this is how things go well in life. If you obey the laws of the Lord, if you obey his statutes and his decrees and live by them, you will prosper and do well. But we've thrown out that system and said our system is woke. It's progressive. It's progressed beyond that. We're better. Science is further. And we've left the way life really works best is God's way. Amen? So we didn't discover God. Uh, come on. How many of us are just such good studiers that we, we found revelation? Uh-huh. Well, I just read that scripture so long and hard and thought about it with my mind powers until I gained revelation of what it was. No, he reveals himself to us. Oh, come on. You know, I've shared this maybe once or twice before. A few years ago, the Lord showed me like his hand. And he was like, if I had in my hand everything that you wanted, everything that you want in life, and it was right here in my hand ready to just give it to you. He's like, you don't even have the authority or the right to reach to my hand and take it from me. Like... How many of you have ever done that? And, and I don't, no, I'm not even going to use that example. Yes, I am. Because we're, we're not a dog. But how many of you have done that with your dog before? You've held the treat out there and wait, 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 wait. Nope, nope, it's not okay. Okay, now it's okay to take it. Why do we do that with our dog? Because we're establishing who's the king. Yeah. So God's showing me, like, even if I reached out and gave you everything you want right here in my hand, you cannot take it from me. He said, I have to release it to you like, it's humility that gets this. It's not our arrogance. It's not our fighting. It's not our wisdom. It's the, it's the revelation and the compassion and the mercy. And honestly, the, the fact that God wants us to know him so much that he reveals himself to us. And there's this, this modern version of Christianity that's become humanistic, that's got new rules, and I want us to beware of it, okay? That means we need to know what God says. He establishes teachings. He establishes his word. We didn't find them. They don't belong to us. They belong to him. We can't update them. Well, well, God couldn't possibly have seen the world that we live in now. He, the Bible says he knew the end from the beginning. He, he knows it all. And, he, and he, he wrote this truth for us that applies to every culture, and we've talked about this a lot. Either the gospel applies to every culture or it's not the gospel. Yes, amen. So, when we preach a prosperity gospel in America, if I take that prosperity gospel, hey, God wants you to drive a Bentley, or I'm just the extreme version of it, right? And I take that to a country that's not as wealthy as we are and preach that, is it the gospel? The message prosperity is the gospel, but our version of it gets so twisted and perverted. Does God want everyone to prosper? Absolutely, he does. In every culture, in every society, whatever that looks like, he wants them to do it. But we don't get to dictate what that looks like. It's God's word. And so when we talk about preach the word, know the word, it has to apply to every culture and every situation or somehow we've twisted it. Boy, I would... It would be so arrogant if I went to a third world country that was struggling and went and preached the prosperity gospel and I stood up there in my whiteness and preached that to them. They would look at me like, who do you think you are? <laughs> Again, I'm using really easy examples to show how we've taken the truth and we just twist it a little bit. We pervert it to our heart's desires. because. Yeah, I want to drive a Bentley. I want to have this. I want to have whatever it is. We twist the gospel. We take a truth and we extend the borders of it to include stuff that God never meant for us to include. And he says, woe to them that add to or take away from this gospel. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, forever. His truth is the same yesterday, today, forever. I know I've hit this a lot over the last few weeks, but we're teaching our kids that the gospel is truth, and it doesn't matter if mom or dad says it and twists it. Don't believe it if Jesus didn't say it, if it's not in the word of God. Test that word. We're supposed to, because the Bible says that in the end times, that even the very elect will be deceived if it's possible. Even those of us that know the word and love God, if we are not careful and stay anchored to the truth of Jesus Christ, anchored to the ancient gospel, the ancient wisdom of God, if we don't do that, none of us are beyond being uh, shifted and swayed into unbelief or perverted belief. And I've said this before, the enemy does not care how much we compromise as long as we compromise. Because we're marked when we compromise. It doesn't matter how much. He knows, Up, oh, I've got them. They're marked with compromise. I have them. It doesn't matter how much. And so we've got to not veer away from these ancient truths. Amen? Amen. So would you stand? We're going to close things out. But I wanted to tie, tie that up, that thought up. Hmm. Hmm. And this was around in Jesus' time, right? They would often come to Jesus with their woke version of God's word, and say, hey, your word says this, we believe this, what do you say? And they would try to trap him into it. He would always go back to what his father said. He would always stick to the ancient truth. And I wanna ask a hard question from all of us. Do we know his word? Do we know what it says? Do we study it? He didn't say read the word. Did you know the, book, the Bible never says read the Bible? It says study it. Studying is a little different than reading. The reading is that scrolling through your Facebook. You're reading that. Studying is a little bit different. And he said to study the word, to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that does not need to be ashamed, who can rightly handle the word of truth. If it's not mine and I'm a steward of it, then I need to care for it with greater care because it's his. And so I want us to pray right now that God will bring us back to a love for his truth and that we will know him. God, we come to you and we first acknowledge that in you is truth. There's no truth anywhere else. You are truth. Your ancient wisdom is the best guide for human life. It's the best guide for everything. And we want to return to our love for truth. Mm-hmm. Come on. Thank you. God, I ask that you put inside of us a hunger to study the word of God, to know it inside and out, not just the words, but the author. Come on, to know you intimately and, and your power and your authority that we're ready to give an answer for everything with your word. I ask that as we study your word, as we study you and the the word, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, as we study you, that it begins to infiltrate every area of our lives, that it moves into our, our thoughts and our processes and translates them into wisdom, God, to where we make these amazing decisions with such wisdom, and we didn't even know where it came from, but it's because we're studying you and it's crept into our life and before you know it everywhere around us looks beautiful it's a beautiful garden of life because we're doing things your way thank you, god thank you lord god i ask that you would keep us safe from deceiving spirits Help us to continually hold up what we believe to your truth and adjust it until we're even with it, (laughs) until we agree with it in every way. God, I, I pray that your truth begins to offend us. If the gospel doesn't offend us, then it may not be fully the gospel. God, I ask that your gospel begins to offend our minds, to reveal our hearts. Begin to offend us again on how we're not close enough to you or how we're not just like you yet. And then draw us closer. This is not a message of condemnation, everyone. This is not condemnation. This is a message of intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. He created it. He knows how it works best. God, I ask that you touch our children. Make them wise. Make our sons and daughters wise. Fill them with the truth of Jesus Christ, that it would set them free in every way. (laughs) Hmm. God, if we have believed any lies, we ask that you would take your scissors out and cut our agreement with that lie. If we've drifted from your truth in any way, God, bring us back. Set us with firm anchors right now. Come on. Set us with firm foundations right now. Yes, Lord. Hmm. Last week, we closed service by asking to be filled, to refill with the Holy Spirit. We're going to do the same thing right now because the Bible says that he is the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And so if you have not been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, or if you need a fresh feeling, ask him right now. We're a Holy Spirit-believing church. We, we, <laughs> we will be filled with the Holy Spirit and overflowing. Lead us into all truth, Holy Spirit. (laughs) You are the spirit of truth. Baptize us. overflowing develop that relationship with Holy Spirit every single day lean into his voice when you feel him pull your heart's affection go with him the best way to stir that relationship with with God, with Holy Spirit is when you feel your heart pulled toward him you don't say oh I'll I'll do that later I'll I'll wait, go there in the moment right then, even if it's just one minute and just say "Yeah, Lord I hear you, I feel you I feel you pulling me I say yes. And then let him have the moment. Yeah. Let him take control of the moment. And just practice that. Have you been driving down the road and you felt the Lord pull your heart? Yeah. Just you're you're doing lawn work and you feel him pull your heart. You're you're eating dinner with the kids and you feel him pull your heart. Like just say go go there in that moment. That will cultivate hosting his presence. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh. I felt like the Lord just just gave me a prophetic word for our house, and I'm going to share it very quickly. He was letting us examine the boundaries of our territory for years, and figuring out new things that we had not known before, or had heard before, and that is specifically for me, but it's also for our church, and he was letting us kind of test what we can and cannot do, like... The lanes got really broad and he's like, go explore like a kid. But in that exploring, we discovered what's really ancient truths and what's really good and solid. And he's saying it's not changing the boundaries of the lanes, but we're going to bring our focus to those things more. It doesn't mean we're not going to go on adventures and explore, but it means that we're honing in on a like, very laser-focused purpose. And you're going to see great fruit from that because you're going to bring that adventurous spirit and freedom that you felt into a very specific area, and it's going to have more effectiveness than ever before. I felt that so strongly. And so, God, I just say yes to that word. The image in my head, I say yes to that right now. In my life, in this church, God, that you're sharpening our blade. <sighs> may you find more grace. May you find more grace than ever. And when we say grace, we mean the empowering presence of God. May you find more grace in your life than you've ever experienced before where things that seemed so difficult before, everything was so difficult and hard. I feel like the Lord's saying you're going to find grace and you're just going to be able to move it. You're going to have such laser focus that you're going to move it. It's like with teaching kids to run. Some kids, when they learn to run, they're all over the place. Their bodies are swinging here, their heads, and then a trained athlete can run with a plate on their head. <laughs> that, that girl running a 100 meter dash, the head doesn't move. The man doesn't move when he's running down the football field. Their helmet just stays perfectly steel. The sprinters, I feel like the Lord's saying, you got all this excess, it slows you down. It's gonna, you're going to run faster. So God give you more grace. Amen. If you need prayer for anything specific we would love to meet here at the front we'll mask up we'll pray for you we believe Jesus heals we believe he delivers he sets free he gives wisdom he prospers and so if you need anything from from us today we want to pray with you I just bless all of you right now again with more grace with more truth come on and more favor in Jesus name we love you thanks for joining us thank you Facebook family for being there we love you we bless you too amen